0: Hey, everyone. Mario Pereka here. And as always, I am joined by Ella Crane, and we'd like to welcome you to the Peaceful East podcast. You can connect with us on the Peaceful East podcast via phone, email, and visit our website. The phone number to share any thoughts, ideas, or questions you have for Hila is 424-625-5562. Again, 424-625-5562. 5-5-6-2. You can call that number twenty four seven three sixty five and leave us a message that we can then play back and Ela can answer and respond to. You can also email us podcast at com. That's a great way to reach out and connect with us. And com. That's the website. So get in touch, Ease, We'd love to hear from you. Ela, how are you today?
1: I'm good, Mario. Still in Mallorca, enjoying the storms and the great weather. How are you? <laughs>
0: I'm great. You know, Mallorca is such an interesting place. I love hearing all your stories about that. And like I said, there's a restaurant here in Pittsburgh that I really love a lot called Mallorca, and they have great Spanish food, and I just really enjoy going there. So knowing that you're in Mallorca, there's that little connection there that I forged in my own mind that I like to think, hey, I have something related to that.
1: (laughs) I know. And you have Italian roots, right?
0: I do. Yes. A lot of family from Italy. I've been to Italy twice. I love Italy. Italian food is my favorite food. I mean, I love all kinds of food, but Italian has a special place in my heart, especially the home-cooked Italian food. Because, you know, I trained as a chef and trained in French food and all the fancy stuff. But if you ask me what's like, what do you love to eat or what do you love to cook? It's just that home-style Italian food.
1: I know. And I think after Mallorca, I think I will come back to this island. But after that, I would like to spend some time in Italy just because of the food.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah it's absolutely worth it. The best food I've ever, I've eaten a lot of food from a lot of different really high end places. I've worked with a lot of very, very well known chefs who are excellent. And I've had some really good food, but nothing compares to what I had in Italy. I mean, you go into these little places that look like homes. They don't even look like restaurants. You wouldn't even know it was a restaurant, but the locals, they say you have to go there and you go in and there's like tables and chairs set up. It's very nondescript. But it was some of the best meals I've ever had in my life. Just fantastic. Unbelievable. I know.
1: Stuff. I've been to some restaurants in Spain, too, where they serve wine by the bottle. Like, they just bring the bottle and put it on the table, and that's it. And you can eat as much as you want, and it costs, like, 10 euros. You know, it's just it's just so cheap. And the food is absolutely amazing. So
0: It's amazing, yeah. And the other thing, when I was in Thailand, you know, I like Thai food a lot. I eat Thai food in Thai restaurants here uh, whenever I can. And I went, when we went to Thailand, you know, we ate at all these different places, very good food. But the best food I had in Thailand was we were waiting for a ferry and it was pouring down rain and we were under a tent. And this little old lady came by with a cart and put up an umbrella (laughs) and was making pad thai and fried rice right at this little cart in the storm. So I went over and I got a fried rice and a pad thai and it cost like $2 for the whole thing. And it was the best pad thai I've ever had in my life. It was just, Crazy. Like everything was so fresh, made right there in a thunderstorm by this little old lady, and it was fantastic.
1: Well, that's your grandmother's tie, yeah? <laughs> <That's her eye. laughs>
0: I think so. It was really, really good. But anyway, yeah, so I love those experiences. And you know, I'm sure you have a lot of them when you're traveling and in your travels. And I've been really trying to think about how to bring this up because we talked about a topic that we wanted to talk about before the show and When Hila told me about this topic, she told me this really roundabout story. It was a really good story, by the way, so maybe she'll tell a little bit of it here. But what it boils down to is having needs and wishes is not selfish. And so a lot of us think that when we look at ourselves and there's something that we want or something that we feel that we need, if we get that or pursue getting that, there's a little bit of selfishness there. Depending on our past experiences and beliefs and how we were raised and what our values are, all of those different things. But Ela, this has been brought to your attention recently.
1: Yeah. So I think what's happening here is that, you know, I read a lot. I love reading about psychology and I go through phases of like reading Western psychology and then doing Eastern practices and then reading about Eastern practices and so on and so forth. And I've been reading this summer a lot about Western psychology and, And especially childhood trauma, you know, some of the books we talked about, like, The Body Keeps the Score or The Circle of Security Intervention, they've been life-changing for me. And here's the third one I've been reading. It's called Running on Empty by Jonas Webb. And, you know, when you read such deep books, you start seeing the world through them, in a way. Like, you learn a pattern. That's not new, but you become aware of a pattern that you've been running on or seeing around. And with that awareness, you see that pattern all over. And this was a moment like that for me, because I was reading in this book that this book is about the things that never happened to you, but should have happened. So before we talked about childhood trauma, when we had an episode about body keeps the score, in a way, this the opposite of that, where these are the things in this book, there are mentioned things that should have happened but never happened. So, childhood neglect versus childhood trauma. And in this book, they talk about how, as adults, we feel guilty when we have needs or when we need attention or when we have wishes for ourselves. Because, also, Western society and our education, and we go through similar parenting in the west and it's all about like not being selfish you know you don't want to be selfish you want to help others and that's all good but then it made me question where is the border of not being selfish because it's not about just giving up the self we still need to take care of this body even if you're an enlightened being you know you will still care for your body eat and make sure that you will live. There's a value in being born as human. We also covered that in an episode. But where is the balance here? And as I was questioning this, something happens just in this tiny town <laughs> with the one corner store, which started to serve coffee because there's everything is shut down now. It's off season, and as they serve coffee now, people stop. You know, just like there are a lot of bikers around and people come by just to have a coffee and then there's this social aspect that is new to the corner store and then you hear people saying like oh you know that person was speaking so much about himself he always needs attention doesn't he and that kind of fit together with the book i thought okay here it is what the book was saying the person needs attention the person needs love the person is needy or demanding But is it good or is it bad? And to what degree it's acceptable and to what degree it's not? And also, who is noticing this? Who is the person saying, oh, he always talks too much. He always needs so much attention. Is that person coming from a shortage of attention herself? Does it make sense? Is that person coming from, I wanted to talk that much. I wish I could, but no one would hear me. Or is that person coming from a different aspect? So it just kind of made me question where selfishness ends or begins and where having needs and wishes end and begin.
0: It's a great question. It's very interesting. And just, I think, too, it goes back to what you said a little bit earlier in this description is what our past experiences are and how we filter those experiences. And then also, Typically, what we see in others that we judge is typically something within ourselves, and it's similar, but it's very difficult for most people if you don't work on yourself and you don't come to that awareness. It's very difficult to look at yourself and say, it's my fault. Even if you sign up for something and you don't follow through with it, what do most people say? They say, well, that didn't work. They don't say, well, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. It's my fault. It's very hard to say it's your fault. So when you see something in someone else where they look needy or they wish for something and you judge that in that manner, typically it's because you probably have that same within you, but you don't want to face that. And for some people too, maybe it's because like you said, they don't have the confidence to think that it's actually something that could happen or that they could create. So it's easier to judge other people for that and not even try yourself.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to look at that part of you. You know, when I find myself judging someone for anything, as soon as I notice, the first question I ask, how is this me? Like there's a part of me who's like perhaps this person and I don't want to face that at all. So seeing this person do that or say that is giving me hard time because it's so close to me. And the answer is always, no, 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 it's not me. I'm never like that. <laughs> but in reality, it's like, I give it a few days. You know, I ask the question and just let it be. It comes back. It can take a few days, but there will be something that kind of answers that, says, uh-huh, this is how I need attention. This is how I feel what unseen. This is how I feel this event triggers jealousy in me and so on and so forth. And by the way, with jealousy, I just always say, I don't believe in negative like negative and positive emotions. They're just emotions. The way we interpret them can be negative or positive. Even then, it's questionable. But let's say with jealousy, we consider it mostly like a negative emotion to have. But in fact, jealousy, in essence, is wanting something good for yourself. That's it. Like you see a nice car and you feel jealous or your best friend like has this beautiful relationship now with a new boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, and you feel jealous. And that means you want the same for yourself. How could that be bad in essence? But what you do with that emotion makes a difference.
0: Do you think, and this is just a question that came up from hearing you say that, I don't think the person who's jealous often sees it as jealousy or sees it as a bad thing. I think it's the people who, like if the friend who has the significant other that sees their friend wanting what they have, they tend to interpret that as jealousy and get mad at that person for being jealous.
1: I think that is the second step though. I think, so imagine like, let's assume a friend of mine has this beautiful relationship that I look up to, admire or feel jealous about. Now, if I feel jealous about it, And if jealousy in my mind is a bad thing, then I will try to hide it or ignore it or I will deal with it in that way, like, oh, it's okay, it's good for you, yeah, I'm great, whatever, or I'll be, like, very quiet about it and trying to suppress the jealousy within. And I feel like the other person will sense that and then respond to that accordingly in the ways you say, like, okay, you're being jealous now, this is not a good thing. But if jealousy wasn't a bad thing in my mind or if I didn't even coin it as jealousy I said I look up to your relationship I hope I get the same one day you know if I approached it this way and if I were open about it my friend will say yeah I hope for you too you know I'm really happy and I hope to see you this happy for instance you know i oversimplified things but it really starts I think in us and it starts with how we feel about our emotions so here is like a double layer Like, it's okay to feel jealousy or kind of envy or anger if you just feel that and don't take it further. What I mean is if you feel angry or jealousy and then you get angry about feeling jealous. Now, here is a loop for you. Because now you're angry and jealous at the same time. You have this loop that you can't really express either emotion. They both get stuck in you. You suppress them, perhaps you let them out the wrong way. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this. Today, do you ever catch yourself feeling jealous feelings?
1: How would you describe jealousy? So I just want to make sure we talk about the same thing.
0: From your definition and what we've talked about, it can be a positive thing, and I assume that's how you paint it. But is there ever a time where you catch yourself and you may not be feeling it as such a positive emotion. You see something that you want or that someone else has, and maybe just for a split second, you jump there and then you go, wait a minute, no, 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 this is a good thing.
1: Absolutely, I'm still human. (laughs) And I did this for three months as a practice, writing down the thoughts and emotions that disturbed me during the day and I did this sometimes like just after meditation I sat down like five, ten minutes more because then I could see clearly and I could feel clearly about what I was thinking and feeling and then things would pop up and I let them pop up which is also the meditation itself but then I waited with a pen and pencil in my hand to say okay something popped up and I had a physical reaction like oh I shouldn't think this oh this is wrong then I would write that down and try to decipher what was happening there, like, why did I feel that way? Was it jealousy? Okay, it was. Then who was it judging it, saying, this is bad, you shouldn't feel this way. So who was that? And why that voice was judging it? What did it want? Like, probably that voice didn't want me to feel a negative emotion. So until I kind of got to the bottom of it as much as I could, So I would just write down the process of that thought or the chain of thoughts that led to that emotion, a specific emotion. And there was so much in there. And it's a notebook somewhere that kind of surprised me about myself because we don't want to see ourselves that clearly. It's not always pleasant, but I was like, okay, Here I am, I'm feeling envious, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling like the victim, I'm feeling helpless, or I regret doing this or that, and here it is very clearly, I'm feeling it. It's easier to shove it aside, sweep it under the carpet, than say, okay, let me understand what's happening here, why am I feeling jealous, what is it that I don't get and I feel others get? Everyone else seemed to get but me. And hang on, where is this kind of victimhood coming from? Because this is a disempowering way of approaching things. Everyone else gets it. Like, I don't have any say if I think like this. Because it seems like people are getting it from somewhere, somehow. And I'm not among them. So there's no active action. It doesn't sound like there's much I can do. So I would decipher even my sentences. So like saying, okay, why is this sentence constructed in this way and not in a more empowering way? For instance, what can I do to also get that? Or I would look into, this is something I learned from a book I listened to by the Dalai Lama. I would look into how... I could feel happy for that person. And it's not easy when you're envious or jealous or you feel life is unfair. But if you really kind of want it, if you want to look at the event and say, I want to feel happy for that person. How can I do this? You find a way. There's always a way. And actually feeling genuinely happy for that person, that that person has something that you want for yourself, I feel is more enabling for you to get whatever that is, than feeling angry or jealous, which is more limiting.
0: Would it be fair to say that the exercise you're going to leave people with is to start to write down their emotions like you did?
1: (laughs) It is a very hard exercise. Yes, if you feel the cold, if you meditate, or if you kind of Spend some time during the day where you can just sit down and wait to see what comes in. And when you find something creates a disturbance, something stirs you up, write it down and just ask questions. Where is it coming from? But it is very hard. And I have that notebook somewhere, like I said, and I think I, when I was in Berlin recently, like a month ago, I went through it and it was even then it was hard to see how I really function, what I really think and how I really feel because we always want to be a good person. And even though we say here again and again during this podcast that all the emotions are welcome, we are humans and there are no exceptions we will feel everything throughout our lives. There are no exceptions. So it's like no one dies without feeling any negative emotion, whatever they are in this context. We all feel everything, jealousy, anger, envy, happiness, joy, sadness, hopelessness, hopefulness, everything. But yet when you see it so clearly, when you see yourself going through those emotions, it is hard, but if you can approach it with compassion, then you kind of become even better friends with yourself, become more connected with yourself. But I would say this is an advanced practice. <laughs> At least it was for me, you know.
0: But everyone has to start somewhere.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: Yeah. That's the key here is to just get started, be aware of it. And however far you want to take it, if you think it's helpful and you think it's something that's allowing you to show up in a more powerful way and serve people better, then keep going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And most importantly, rather than labeling things as like selfish, needy, attention seeking, rather than labeling them within or without with other people, I mean, just creates this awareness around what's happening what's happening. And don't forget to ask if you feel any of this, who's that part of you needing attention? Or is that part of you feeling jealous of somebody else getting attention? And if you find that part, please just realize that if you can accept that part, it will heal. If you can give that attention that part needs, it will heal. So don't try to shove it to a corner because it will just make things even
0: more severe. Well, this has been great as always, Ela. Thank you so much for sharing all of this and getting so deep and helping us with our emotions and being more aware of them. And I want to remind everyone that if you have a question, comment, idea, anything you want to share with Ela, the Peaceful Ease hotline is always open, 424-625-5562 is that number. You can also email at any time, podcast at com And check out com to stay up to date with everything Peaceful Ease whenever you feel the calling. Ela, thank you so much. It's been great. And I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode.
1: Thank you, Mario. And thank you for listening, everyone.
0: For Ela Crane, I'm Mario Pereka. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you on the very next episode of the Peaceful Ease Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Peaceful Ease Podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with friends and family. Remember, the bigger the support, the more fun the journey becomes. If you'd like to get in touch with Hila, you can reach out to her at peacefulease.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be kind to yourself.